Shalom. Welcome to Sharing the Word. I'm your host, Dr. Driver. We're continuing our study on Matthew 24. We're going to finish the remaining verses of this chapter, and we're going to finish from 39 through 51. As you remember, we were talking about the signs of the times of what would happen before the Lord Jesus Christ will return. And in the passage of Matthew 24, we covered many things from the first seven verses that Jesus was even telling his apostles the things that would happen prior to his return. He talked about many people would come in his name, and he said, Do not be deceived, my brothers. He told them that you will hear, hear, the word is hear, of wars and rumors of wars. It's quite obvious when you know you're in a war, nobody is just hearing about it, they're seeing it. They're they're going through it, they're experiencing it. But he says, but do not be troubled because there's going to be wars. There's a skirmish over in the Middle, Middle East. There's a skirmish even in the north or the south of our own country. There's skirmishes in the Midwest. There are going to be wars and rumors of wars. But he said, do not be alarmed, for such things must come. The first seven verses are very powerful. It, it, it really encapsulates the whole chapter as you take upon everything that Jesus breaks down throughout this entire chapter, 51 verses. And Jesus continues and says, there will be signs that there will be kingdoms against kingdoms. Now, my friends, nations against nations. So nations against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms. The way that looks, even in the Greek, nation is nation. In the Greek word for nation is people, or people really refers to ethnos or ethnicity. Then kingdoms are types of powers, such as social or economic or political powers that are fighting against one another as well. So when we say nation against nation, we're talking about people and people. Ethnos, ethnicities, race against race, kingdoms, left versus right. Democrats versus Republicans, conservatives versus independents. We can see politically what nations and kingdoms really look like. But he continues and says, there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes. We're already living in hot, dry seasons around the world, and many people are starving to death. We are living through a pandemic of COVID-19. So we are seeing just in the first seven verses that Jesus postulates throughout this, not only these first seven verses, but throughout the whole chapter, that these signs will occur prior to his return. Now, my friends, I'm not going to have you get all worried about this. Has kingdom people, meaning kingdom of heaven, we are people that should be rejoicing in the truth of God's word that he is coming again. We're not going to run to and fro with our hair on fire and say, oh my gosh, there's a, there's a pandemic happening. We have to wear masks. We have to social distance. We have to, we have to do certain things because everybody's in trepidation or fear what's come upon the world. But what we can say as children of God, that Jesus Christ's words are true. Let me hear an amen with that one. Jesus Christ is coming again. And as we read through Matthew 24, 
and we go through even verses 39 through 43 here, we're learning that that Noah was a righteous man. But he lived in an evil, warped, chaotic, crazy world. And Jesus talked about what was going on in Noah's lifetime that we all are going through today. We just read again that people are drinking alcohol. Alcoholism is high. People are eating a lot, drinking a lot, marrying, divorcing, giving into marriage, sharing spouses, adultery. All these things that we see culturally with with among ourselves was Noah's life. And yet we have to really think about why Noah struggled to witness, or if he struggled at all, but why he couldn't get anyone to repent to join his family on the ark. And God brings in all the animals as substitutes to come into the ark. We have no excuse not to witness to the world today that Jesus Christ is coming. So when we read verse 39, it says that before the flood came and took Noah and his family away, all the events that he Noah was going through, we're going through today. But God preserved Noah and his family from the wrath and the judgment that came upon the world. Then he goes on, as I said earlier, that there will be two in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the meal. One will be taken and one will be left. Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour the Lord doth come. Now, I always wondered why two will be in the field in this sample size of the population or this example. Because God is a God of, I'm going to use this word, numbers. He created everything in seven days. Numerology was one of my favorite things to study when I was in seminary. I'm telling you, God is the thing of, he he loves numbers. 40 days, 40 nights, uh, 40 years, seven years, seven. I mean, just do numerology and you could see where I'm going with this. But then you say the population must mean that 50% of the world by the rapture will be left behind. I, I could probably say, yeah, um, the analysis does show that. It says two in the field, two at the grinding mill. It says five wise and five foolish virgins. Five wise was was able to go in and five were left behind. So you do the math, <laughs> 50%. Now I could be off a little bit. I have a, a variance of error in any kind of statistical calculation, but let's just go by what Jesus said. Two will be in the field. One will be taken, one left. Two will be grinding. So what field are we referring to? Just picture somebody at working at Target. Picture somebody working in the military doing something uh, at, at their job. You pick any profession. Two will be working here or two will be going here. It didn't say 10 million will be working. And No, he brought it down for us to comprehend. Just like the five wise virgins and the five foolish virgins. We have to comprehend what Jesus is doing. He has given us simplicity in his message. Then he goes on and he says that, but know this, that if the good man of the house had known in which hour the thief would come, he would have watched and would not let his house be broken into. So you know all these events. We just went through the entire series 
uh, of this episodes on Matthew 24. And we already talked about the first seven verses of, of Matthew 24. We already know what's going to happen prior to his return. So if we know these events, like no one knew the events, no one knew what was happening, then we have to be prepared not only to keep ourselves pure and spotless, but we have to also, like Noah did, preach to those who are lost that he is coming again. We have no excuse. If you say you love the Lord, you'll tell your neighbor. If you say you love your family member, you'll tell, you tell them about Jesus Christ. If you're out in the street and you don't know that person, you have an opportunity to talk. Tell them about why Jesus Christ is Lord in your life. The Holy Spirit will give you words to say. If you know a flood is coming and you did everything to prepare yourself and your family to be safe from that flood, would you not tell your neighbor? If you know that somebody is going to come to your house and break into it, but they didn't tell you what time they're coming, would you not secure and protect the things of your house and your family? Yes. This is why this is so serious in the world that we're living in, that we must take these signs and act upon them with righteousness, with boldness, with faith in God. Verse 44 says, Therefore you be ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man is coming. I don't have to have a lot of these events to believe that Jesus Christ is coming. Because I know God said through the Holy Ghost that he is coming. The Holy Spirit is still in my life. It seals the believer. It equips the believer. It anoints the believer. It reveals the things that Jesus says. You know he's coming. What sign? What event? What worldwide catastrophe do you need to see, hear, or experience before you tell your next door neighbor or anyone that God puts in your life that Jesus Christ is Lord? I am challenging my friends. I am challenging you that if you really believe Matthew 24 which is Jesus' words in red, just like Revelation, <laughs> you're going to have to make a decision. Do you love God so much that you owe Him, you owe God what He has done for you, the opportunity to tell others of what God has done for you? Do you love Him that much to go say to the world, here's what God did to for me and is doing with me, then do it. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of the Christ because there's the power for those who believe the Jew and the Gentile. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of what the Holy Spirit has revealed to me about the Holy One of Israel. I'm not ashamed of who I am in Christ. 
people will be persecuted for their faith in Christ. Jesus was persecuted. Apostles and prophets of old were persecuted. And Christians around the world today in your lifetime are being persecuted. Even those that live in communist countries like China and other places, they're being persecuted for their faith. And yet I told everyone years ago, and I'm saying it again, you will go through some testing and trials if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. And even politically, anyone who is what they call uh, a MAGA hat wearer or someone who is uh, conservative, you're being verbally attacked. You're being canceled out in this cancel culture because you say Jesus, but somebody can say something else and get away with it. That's trials and persecution for those who love God. We're living in that time time frame. We're living in this age where if you stand up and say out loud, you're a conservative, you're a believer, you will be persecuted or canceled out. It's the same way that people identify even left to right in politics. If you're a liberal, the conservatives don't like you. If you're on the right side called Republican or conservative party, nobody likes you either. Now somebody is now taking that to another level. They'll physically get in your face. They'll physically spit in your face. They'll physically hit you, assault you, or even destroy your property because of who you are in Jesus Christ. But Peter even says, I'd rather suffer for being righteous than suffer for being wrong or doing bad things. My friends, you're going to suffer for being a believer. But the Bible is telling you, he who holds out to the end, he who holds out to the end shall be saved. We have choices to make. Make the right choice. Verse 45 says, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his Lord has made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is the servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. So I'm reading from the King James. Here's what it's telling me. You've been called to go love your neighbor. You were called to witness. You were called to forgive. You were called to take care of those who are less fortunate than you are. You were called to preach, teach, administrate, lead. You were called to do things as a believer and also to exercise in the kingdom of God the evangelistic spread of the gospel. Whatever that gift is, the role is, you must do it. Because blessed is he whom the master, the Lord Jesus, finds him doing upon his return. If you're not living your purpose, if you're not doing the very things the Bible tells you to do, you're going to miss getting on the ark like the rest of the people did in Noah's time. You're going to miss the opportunity to be able to say, okay, Lord, Here we are, we're living these end times. You're missing an opportunity 
when you could be witnessing to somebody who's in sin, you're missing that opportunity, and the Lord's going to say, okay, two may be in the field, but guess what? You're staying with that person because you didn't do what I called you to do, and God desires obedience over sacrifice. You must do what he called you to do. Obedience is everything. And how do we witness to someone that's not a believer? How do we witness to someone that is saved? The word is clear. The the mission is simple. The activity and the action is pronounced. Love, love, love. Forgive and love, and that will make a way for people to come to know Jesus Christ. Do I hear an amen? Verse 47. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. Verse 48. But, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of. And he shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So let me extrapolate 47 through 51 with all concern and seriousness for the body of Christ. The only people, listen to me, that are going to heaven are those who accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Romans 10.9 and 10.13. Those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. Accept the Lord Jesus Christ now. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Go get baptized and start going out to the world and tell people what Christ has done for you. Jesus is not interested in your money, your status, your age. He's not interested in those things the world measures us by. He's not interested in that. Jesus is interested in you loving him and serving him with obedience. Because God has called us to evangelize the world. All of us, not your pastor only, every believer. And if every believer would just love one another as Christ loved us, as God loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son, if we can just show the world love instead of being filled with hatred, prejudice, evil thoughts, Ignoring the plight and, and, and the woes of those around us, the homeless, the sick, the dying. If we're going to ignore all those things around us and the Holy Spirit is telling us to do something and we ignore the voice of the Holy Ghost, we are in defiance and disobedience. And these last few verses remind us that we will be cast aside because we are called hypocrites. We are like the five unwise virgins 
who don't have their oil in their lamps. They're going to miss the wedding feast. We have no excuse. We have a short window to witness to this world, even through this pestilence that we're going through. And what is it going to take for us to take advantage of it? Another pestilence? Maybe get through this pandemic, this COVID-19 crisis, and we're not doing it now? We're not witnessing and showing love. We're not feeding those that are hungry. We're not taking care of those that lost their jobs or their businesses. We're not showing any empathy or sympathy or care to anyone who's hurting and dying. Jesus said, what you do to the least of these, you do to me, my brothers and sisters. Our time is short. Many are going to come in Jesus' name saying they're Christ. There'll be wars and rumors of wars, pestilence, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. It's going to be in the days of Noah. It's going to be in the days of Lot. Two people are going to be working. One's going to be raptured. The other's going to be left behind. But we know the signs, but we do nothing. We hide in our rooms. We don't go out and march for righteousness. So we hide. We're afraid. Well, perfect love casts out fear, so you have no excuse. We don't want to go across the street and tell that owner who just had his business burned up after 50 years, we're sorry, I got some food for you. What can I do to serve and help you? If church would just do that, instead of waiting for the government to pass out relief money, the whole world would be saved in a short window. So I ask you, my friends, if you knew who was going to come and break in your house, what would you do? You know the Lord is coming. We know the hour, but we know he's coming. What are you going to do? This is no time to vacillate, to play mamby-pamby, hopscotch with your faith anymore. You got to make that decision. If you got a pestilence that hasn't been in this world for over 100 years, and you have now a major earthquake that destroys a major, say, state, what's it going to take for you to repent and give your life to Jesus? What's it going to take for you to say, Lord, I believe in your word and I know you're coming again? What's it going to take for you to tell your neighbor, I know you're hurting What can I do to help you? What can I do to feed you? Okay, here, come into my house. I have plenty of room. What are you going to do? What is it going to take for you to show the example of Jesus Christ in an evil, depraved world? What's it going to take? My friends, there's only one answer. Give your life to the Lord. Confess that you've been selfish. Confess that you've been fearful. Come to the Lord with humility. Repent of your sins. And once you do, you will be born again and have the power of the Holy Ghost in your life that you can go shout to the world what God has done for you and is doing in you through Jesus Christ. If you want that opportunity, let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I know that I've been a sinner. I have ignored uh, my lifestyle of sin and pursued fleshly pleasures. 
Forgive me, Lord. It does not bring righteousness and holiness in my life. I'm empty without you. I ask, Heavenly Father, that you will forgive me of my sins, and I accept Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son, to be Lord and Savior in my life. Please accept me into your family. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I may now become that agent of righteousness, that fireball for you, because my life is in your hands. And I want to thank you, Heavenly Father, for writing my name in the book of life. Teach me your word, Lord. Give me opportunities to witness by loving my neighbor as thyself, by forgiving those who wronged me. Love is the catalyst. Love is the engine. Love is the weapon of our warfare. And love covers a multitude of sins. And you have covered my sins, Lord God, with your love by sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross of Calvary for me. I love you, Lord. I give you my life. Receive me now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to another session with Sharing the Word. Join me again as we examine and open up the Bible on topics that affect the believer.